Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Regular listeners know that I'm a big fan of mountain biking at night, and having a reliable bright light is crucial. Glowworm is a mountain bike light brand founded almost a decade ago by two mountain bikers in New Zealand. Today, the company offers some of the most customizable, highest quality bike lights on the market. Glowworm's complete line of lights start at 1,200 lumens and range up to a blinding 3,400 lumens, all at reasonable prices. There are a few things Glowworm does differently that makes their lights unique and highly customizable. The optics can be swapped at home depending on the types of trails you ride, and their lights use standard GoPro style and quarter turn mounts. Many of the Glowworm lights work with a bar mounted remote which can be used to control one or more of their lights at once. Right now, Glowworm is offering 15% off all light systems on their website with the coupon code SINGLETRACKS2020. Go to glowwormlights.co.nz. That's G-L-O-W-O-R-M-L-I-T-E-S dot co dot N-Z. Or click the link in the show notes to take advantage of this offer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Singletracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Ben Turrets. Ben runs a coaching business and sports therapy practice called the Endurance Collective. He's joined us here on the podcast a couple of times, and we're stoked to have him back to talk about strength and fitness training in the time of COVID. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be back, man, uh, especially especially now in this kind of weird time. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I was thinking back, like, I feel like we haven't talked about COVID and coronavirus on, on the show here. We were talking a, about it a lot, like initially, and then we've kind of, I don't know, we're all tired of talking about it, honestly. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this will be something though, that's like, not just about COVID, but it's about, you know, how to keep up with our training and our fitness, you know, during times of stress and times where like our schedules are different or they're all out of whack and sort of, yeah, how we can deal with that. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, there's so much, you know, there's, there's so much, uh, rough stuff going on out there right now. It's, it's nice to, uh, kind of look at things through a positive lens and, and have something to look forward to. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that for sure. Cause for a lot of people, yeah, it's racing and with that not happening, Let's just jump into it. So how's your fitness holding up during the pandemic? Have you been able to get out and, and ride and train and do all the things that you usually do? Oh man, the crazy, the crazy thing is, you know, once I got through that initial phase of mourning, um, the, the loss of all the things we, we kind of know, uh, I started training. I, I mean, I was putting in time, like back when I was racing, racing as my job, mm -hmm. wow. 20 hour weeks were not uncommon. And I was, you know, able to use our office was closed. So we were using our office to lift and, and then riding every day. And, uh, you know, fitness wise, it's been great, you know, and, and as businesses reopened and started to pick back up, I say, I, I'd say we, we settled more 
into a normal cadence of uh, you know a normal working uh, human, maybe ten to twelve hours a week of, of riding for me at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because I noticed that too. A lot of people seem to be like in the first few weeks of the you know lockdowns and the pandemic, like people were getting out a ton and. I guess, like you said, maybe their work wasn't, you know, happening as much or like they were off work while they're figuring out what was going on. Um, but yeah, we've slowly kind of gained back some of the responsibilities that we had before. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm seeing that too, that the people were doing a lot initially, but maybe some of them now are, are not doing as much. Yeah, you know, it was crazy to see, um, you know, I, I saw it specifically on the mountain bike side of things. Trails were crowded, man. Um, yeah. You know, our our local trail systems were pretty overloaded, which which led us to explore some stuff in areas where we really didn't ride before. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know, it, some issues uh, came about because of those overloaded trail systems. So there's kind of that balance between, wow, it's great, we've got all these new riders, and holy crap, I'd love to ride my trails like I normally do. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's lately been about getting out early, you know, 6 a.m., getting out before the sun comes up. And yeah, because otherwise there's there's a lot of people out. Yep, 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 which is great. You know, I hope, uh, you know, if, if if 20 to 50% of this stuck around after COVID, uh, man, you know, those kids grow into their mountain bikes and, and go through college and then, you know, their demands for trail systems may, may spur us, uh, some new trails, uh, in our, in our later years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the baby boom, but it's the bike boom. Right. Right. So what are some of the challenges, uh, that the cycling athletes that you work with are currently facing? It's, it kind of runs a gamut. I mean, the, one of the biggest things is, that you know, my, my competitive racers, especially some of the pros I work with, Obviously, the race calendar has been, you know, completely shut down mm-hmm. or dramatically reduced. The uh, the elite road team we work with, um, their their season basically was just completely canceled. Mm. Was it all at once though, or was it sort of like, oh, we're we're going to postpone this, and so then you start like training for the fall, and then you get to the fall, and it's like, nope, that's not happening. Like, or was it? Yeah, we know like this year is is shot, so we're going to come up with a plan B. I'd say in, in February it was it was strange how it came about because um, in February we took the team down to Georgia uh, to to race this race called the Tour of the Southern Highlands, and um, we did that race, and that's right when everybody was looking at each other like, "What's going to be next? COVID's coming," uh, and I think the next week that was like the last normal thing we did, and the next week stuff started to get canceled and our next event was in Arkansas and that was postponed and then canceled. And then we had a couple of international races that were canceled. Mm. And, um, you know, I'd say about, uh, about early May when things were really kind of ramping up, uh, is when basically everyone just shut, you know, the UCI kind of shut the door on stuff and Mm -hmm. both mountain and road was just completely shut down. It was a bummer for, especially for some of the, the, um, we had a couple of, of people who were racing on the world cup circuit and, you know, they age out of these things, right? The Olympic athletes, you know, thankfully they didn't have to Mm requalify. Um, but you know, some of our juniors are no longer juniors next year. Yeah. 
Um, so they missed their opportunity to go do this one race in Canada that we take people to. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's tough for them to maintain that motivation. You know, we, we talk a lot about intrinsic and extrinsic motivators, uh, in coaching and, you know, a, a lot of people just ride their bike because they want to race. Um, and that is their sole motivator. And, and those people are really struggling right now. You know, and for me as a coach, it's hard to, yeah, I've run out of Strava, Strava segment motivations at this point. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, uh, individual pretend races to do, uh, you know, and so some of them are are actually being pretty successful at racing on Zwift Mm -hmm. and, uh, some of them, you know, we've, we've had some athletes that man haven't, they haven't really ridden their bike since June. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then we've got some athletes that are absolutely thriving right now. Hmm. They're like, well, it, this is what it is. And, and, uh, there's no excuse for me to be hurt. There's no excuse for me to slack off on my, my strength and core exercises. Um, I'm going to crush the stuff that I might have to set aside sometimes because I'm in race season. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of everything. Hmm. What, what tends to like account for that difference? I mean, is that something, is it just people's personality or is that something as a coach that you can like try to help people work through and like get to that point where they, you know, see it as a, an opportunity rather than, you know, a challenge or a, an impossibility? I think, um, a lot of it has to do with what motivates the athlete to be in the sport. So, you know, I, I'm big on, you know, you better enjoy the journey. <laughs> if if you're going to be a racer, uh, there's so many more things to racing than just racing. Hmm. And if, you know, the, the athletes that really are having a tough time right now are the ones that just want to race. And, and that may just be because they're, they're young and they haven't gained the discipline to understand the, the ancillary parts of being a racer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may just be because, you know, that's what they feel like defines them. But the athletes that are doing really well are the ones that love to train. Um, they, they love all the little components that make them a good racer. Mm-hmm. And the race is just like the little cherry on top. Yeah. You know, they, they are, they're nailing their training. They've, we've had lots of conversations about, Hey, it's, it's okay if you miss a day cause you had a bad day. Yeah everyone's struggling in at some level right now there's there's some struggle going on and and that's okay yeah well does do you think overall like athletic performance suffers without competition you know in a normal year we would see races with like national and international caliber athletes pushing each other to new limits but you know the races that have taken place this year have seen sort of incomplete fields at best so do you think that affects sort of people's performance. I mean, they, you could train just as hard as any other year, but without the competition, are, are people getting better? It's a good question. I would say without the competition, one of the things that I, I see immediately is the increase in incidences of injury. Hmm, interesting. You know, and, and I think it kind of runs through all sports right now, you know, cause we, we work with lots of, of non-cyclists too. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things we see right now is, is runners coming in left and right with like Achilles injuries and back pain and, and 
you know, a lot of it is people biting off more than they can chew immediately. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most stark examples, if you watch football, is is looking at the NFL right now and, and the high incidence of injuries because there's no there's no preseason. Oh yeah, you know, and so there's there's been a ton of ACL, MCL tears, um, you know, again Achilles injuries and. And it's because the body wasn't prepared for that elite level of competition. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, you know, cycling certainly isn't a high impact sport, but I would say, you know, you, you saw in the couple of world cup mountain bike races and world championships over the last couple of weeks, you know, the field was flipped with the exception of, um, Pauline, it wasn't Nino Scherter, it, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the people we're normally used to seeing at the top, Yeah, you know, and, and I think that you know, if you really got into the the weeds on, on who was there, it, you know, you'd probably find out it was the people that are, that were thriving on their training in, in times of COVID. Yeah. You know, there, there were certainly some, some big time athletes I know that were, that were struggling during COVID because cycling is their community mm-hmm. and they didn't have access to that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I definitely think, uh, it, it has taken a toll on competition, um, or performance. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned injuries too, I mean, a couple things came to mind for me. I mean, one, everybody is feeling stressed by this, you know, whether it's work or having kids home at school or, you know, doing school from home. And, um, so a lot of injuries that I tend to see from friends and people, a lot of times it's stress, you know, (laughs) like just like your body is like tense. Um, but then the other thing that I was just thinking was like, Maybe, I mean, do you think athletes, if you have like a race on the calendar, you're like, okay, next month I got my big race and you're training, like you're going to be somewhat cautious, right? Like you're not going to be taking risks and things like that, um, in your training or even just, you're like, I'm going for a, a ride for fun. Cause you know, you have that race, but then if you don't have that, do you think people are taking these unnecessary risks or, or maybe, yeah, like you said, training too hard? The answer is yeah. Like I definitely have seen some athletes be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't need to worry about the, that set of jumps or something like that, you know, because I don't have a race coming up. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to send it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I'll try it out. See if it works. Right. And, uh, sometimes that, you know, somebody just learned how to clear a double, uh, correctly. And, and, and sometimes that ends up in a broken collarbone, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it, it really, again, it, it kind of runs the gamut. Like, um, I've seen, uh, a, a bunch of people who are just like, well, that, that race is gone. I'm just kind of going to do coffee shops without the motivation <laughs> for racing, you know, yeah. coffee shop ride after coffee shop ride. And, and then some people are, you know, in myself, you know, I would, I would put myself in this bucket as I was riding too hard, too often. Um, and I was like, I mean, man, I'm a coach. <laughs> I, I, I would be, I would be mad at me if I were coaching me. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I just, you know, like you said, Jeff, the stress of this whole thing is, um, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know. Well, you know, going to ride, ride really hard. You know, it, 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 it kind of takes that stress away. That's interesting that you mentioned that. I was going to ask, I mean, rest and recovery is definitely an important part of an athlete's training plan. So it sounds like you're benefiting from this sort of forced rest in some ways. Are other athletes seeing that as well? Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've seen, 
I actually have a couple of athletes in particular, one who had been struggling with uh, concussions and um, another one who was dealing with a knee injury. And COVID was like the thing they needed to be okay with taking time off Mm. and recovering. Yeah. And it was so hard. It was like my easy button to get them to just (laughs) take it easy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they're doing great right now. Uh, they, you know, both of them are ready to race again. There's just, you know, not a whole lot going on, but, you know, I, I mentioned the kind of, there's no excuse to be injured right now if, if you're taking this seriously. And, and, you know, I, it's been a great learning opportunity for some, some of our newer athletes, uh, learning to treat rest and recovery like it's as important as their intervals. You know, a recovery ride is just as serious as, you know, three by 10 at threshold. Mm. It's just as important in your training cycle. And um, it's been easier for me as a coach to push people a little bit further beyond that so that they crack <laughs> and they can kind of realize, hey, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like to overdo it. Um, and there's no risk of, well, I have a race in two weeks and I overtrain this athlete. Um, and they can't come back from it now. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. You, you can try different things, things that, yeah, maybe you weren't willing to, to risk it because you did have a big race coming up and yeah, now you can kind of experiment a little bit. Absolutely. There's been some, some experimentation going on with, with some of our athletes and, you know, and, and one of the things I've really worked on with people is, is dialing in their, their off the bike, especially mountain bike stuff strength and conditioning and, uh, uh, balancing off the bike. Uh, and I've always been a big proponent of stability exercises mixed in with, with your strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. But this is really, you know, it's been one of the fun, if, if people can find a yoga ball on Amazon, mm-hmm. getting them to get a yoga ball or a BOSU and doing some really fun balance stuff to help, how they perform through uh, a rock garden or, you know, how they land off jumps. All of that stuff is, is very important as a mountain biker. Yeah. What are some of the other sort of positive things that athletes are able to see during this time? I mean, it seems like for weekend warriors, for example, like you're not maybe not commuting to work. And so you have an extra hour or two every day that you could potentially use for training. Um, And it also seems like people are, you know, maybe, maybe they're not like dining out as much. And so they're eating a little healthier. Like, are there things like that that you're seeing with your athletes during this time? Absolutely. Um, the, the eating piece is a big one. Um, you know, kind of learning how to control uh, their learning how to, I hate the word diet, but, um, (laughs) uh, healthy eating. Yeah. Healthy eating and, and making it sustainable, having people that work from home, cook on, you know, put a menu together on a Sunday evening, Mm, Yeah, shop for that menu. And, you know, then you have sustainable meals for the week and, and you can cook ahead of time so that you get up and you go and ride and then you come back and you got food. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I I guess I, I was only thinking about eating out, but I'm sure for a lot of people, it's like you get off work and you're like, I don't have anything at home go by the grocery store. What can I get this easy to just like make really quick? Cause I'm hungry, but yeah, now we're all planning it out hopefully and saying, I'm only going to go to the grocery store like once a week. And yeah, I can see that 
that would have a really positive impact. That's been really big. And also um, preparation. Some people, even even with not commuting to work, are, are working actually harder. I think there's an expectation now that you're, you know, you're, you're home, you've got your kids, you're trying to manage. and Right. Yeah, you have random breaks now, but yeah. Yeah, it still <laughs> takes up your whole day. Exactly. You don't have that two hours after work or that hour after work. And you know, I know some people are probably scowling at me right now, like two hours, who's got that? But you know, one of the things I, I like to stress is that the night before, lay your kit out, get, get all your stuff ready, get your bike ready. Um, and you save yourself 20 or 30 minutes sometimes, you know, searching for that left arm warmer and, and, you know, looking for your shoes and, and, you know, getting your, your, uh, suspension set up and all that stuff. That's all done. All you have to do is come home, ride your bike. Yeah. And that, that builds this like healthy behavior pattern that, that kind of trickles into other things you do too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, just makes it easier to do the thing that you like to do. Yeah. Well, I imagine, I mean, do a lot of professional athletes, are they pretty well organized and plan things out? Or is that why they hire you? Is because they're (laughs) like, uh, you know, left to my own devices, I'm not going to do this, but you're going to give me a plan and I can stick to a plan if somebody comes up with it for me. I think, so one of the things I like to kind of stress with the pro, pro athletes is, is, you know, I want to help you. I'm not the, the, the gatekeeper of all the knowledge. Like I want to teach them and challenge them to, to ask me why and, um, build their knowledge so that really eventually they don't really need me anymore, Mm -hmm. but they want me around because I'm that objective voice. You know, I've, I have some pro athletes that are, you know, they were engineers or they are engineers and man, they, they love a good spreadsheet. (laughs) Um, and their day is pro pre-programmed. Then I have riders who are like, Oh man, I forgot to brush my teeth on Wednesday. I'm just remembering that on Friday. And, like Ben, why didn't you put that on my schedule? Yeah. Why was that not in my training peaks, man? I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get a cavity. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's the mentality of the rider. Um, I actually have, uh, a good group, a good crew right now that, that are pretty organized and, and a couple who weren't and really during the pandemic, uh, have really focused on getting organized because they have, you know, they're, they're, they're new pro mountain bikers and they've realized that they've had to, you know, one of them has a, a kind of a high stress lab job where she's actually researching COVID right now. And, um, you know, she's only got max two hours a day to, to do all of her training. Um, and so everything has to be prepared on the front end. And, you know, once that's figured out, there's the same amount of hours in the day, but they're just used more efficiently. And, um, you know, you can actually end up building some downtime into your day. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there are a few athletes out there who are just so naturally gifted and talented that, you know, they don't need to be organized. But uh, I imagine most of the successful ones, they are they are really serious about it and really organized and do a lot of planning and preparation like you're describing. Absolutely. I, you know, I I can't remember. I'm going to paraphrase this quote horribly, but, you know, it's it's like um, amateurs talk tactics 
professionals talk logistics. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really important, you know, and I've seen that both from the athlete side and the, and the coaching side is if you get the logistics nailed down, the, the tactics come easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, training comes easy. It's, it's the stuff that you don't want to do. You got to get that out of the way and, and nail that down. And, and that's what makes the other stuff look dialed in and feel dialed in. Yeah. Well, we kind of talked at the beginning about how the race calendar has gotten all mixed up this year. And, you know, it seems like a lot of training plans would normally be based around the idea of peaking for a certain race or a certain (laughs) event. So how are you dealing with that? Like, is it possible to move toward like a flexible training plan? And, and is that, is there an advantage or disadvantage to doing that? Oh man, this is, this is the, the ongoing struggle right now. Um, you know, cause I do have some athletes that, you know, some endurance races have popped up and they're you know relatively safe to do, um, because you can, you can basically, you're going to end up socially distant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've had to be super flexible with, with training plans this year. So it has been a, a big challenge to manage peaking. Um, and we've done a lot of just high level endurance work. And, um, for, for newer riders, that's been really good because, you know, they may have only had, uh, you know, a couple, three years of base underneath their belt and, and in a serious way. And, and now they're able to really boost that up and, and have a lot more volume without the risk of overtraining. Yeah. Some riders were not really peaking. We are going through kind of mini peaks. So, you know, peaks and valleys of, of fitness that aren't extreme on either end. Um, and then we've had a couple of, we, we had this one triathlete in particular where he was going to race, um, the big North Carolina triathlon, uh, beach to battleship, I think it was called. And, uh, you know what? He just wanted to peak for that race. And we ended up actually putting on a, a one person triathlon for him. Uh, you know, and I, I went out on my paddle board and he swam around me and then, uh, you know, our, his, his coach, um, and I, you know, drove in front of him and around him, uh, in his bike leg. And, wow. you know, it was just kind of a fun day for him and he had put so much time and energy into it. Uh-huh. You know, we just wanted to kind of, reward him for all that work he did. Right. Yeah. So it it really depended on the, the, and depends on the personality of the athlete. I think I'm fortunate enough right now with my group to have a bunch of people who are pretty cool with using this year as a way to kind of boost their overall fitness. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that brings up a question in my mind and this is, this is more just like a general question, but like is a race, like running a race or a competition, let's say it's a bike race and, you know, really going out and giving it everything you've got. Like, are you building fitness when you do that? Or are you, are you actually like damaging your body in general? Like, like I'm thinking about this triathlete guy and he he peaked for this race, but then when he went out and did it, like, why was he doing it? Was he doing it to like improve his fitness or was it yeah, like you said, more of just like a reward, you know, it's not really going to help your training, but it's, it's, you know, it's what it is. It's a competition. Yeah. For this, for this app, for that athlete in that specific sense, 
he, you know, that was kind of the, you know, that was the end of that block for him. You know, um, after that, he kind of went into a valley and he's, he's still recovering from it. You know, yes, it, it, uh, races can certainly add to your fitness depending on how they're programmed in. Okay. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people treat races like it's, that's the end all be all. Um, I'm a big proponent of, you know, you kind of have to pick your target races. But like, if it's the last one of the season, like, and you just, you know, just nothing is left at the end. Are you, are you damaging your fitness or your, your muscles or whatever? Or are you, are you still like, you know, is it still beneficial? Yeah, it's still beneficial. I think, I think a big part of that benefit though, maybe a bigger part, maybe, uh, mental, um, you know, it, it is, you know, there's always an experience component to it, especially, especially for a new athlete. Uh, every, every race you should learn something from and whether that's a, a physical or a mental thing, those experiences are always very important. Um, as far as the physical aspect goes, if, if we time that peak perfectly, mm-hmm. they're done after it. You know, it, it's, it's like, um, you're putting out, uh, pro numbers one day and then, uh, a few days later, you're just struggling to, to ride with amateurs and you should be, you should be huh. done. Yeah. You get to a physiological point where your body's like, it's time for a rest. Right. Um, and you see that in, in micro cycles of training and macro cycles of training, mm-hmm. you know, right, right now is the time kind of the end of the time of year where, uh, you know, with the exception of cyclocross racers, I usually give riders about a month off and that doesn't mean off the bike, but it means no real structure. And they're usually coming off, you know, uh, they could be coming off worlds. They could be coming off a national championship event, but this is pretty much the wrap up part of the season. And, you know, they take that time and I encourage them to go do something other than ride bike. Yeah. I keep saying paddleboarding, go paddleboarding, go surfing, go hiking, uh, you know, get into your reading for a month. Um, you know, remember what it's like to be a normal human. (laughs) And that's kind of like, it's like hitting the reset button. You can't just be a bike racer all year long. Eventually that'll catch up with you. And eventually you're going to burn out. And I was talking with a rider last week who is, you know, we were discussing whether she, her, one of her sponsors hosts a, uh, a big kind of charity ride, 200 mile charity ride next weekend. And she was like, should I do it? I really feel burned out. Mm-hmm. And we decided that she was going to volunteer at it instead and oh, take yeah. the next, yeah, she's, she's going to help out. Um, she's gonna, you know, shake hands and kiss babies and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, and, but, but she needs that time for her to, to relax and not be on the bike because otherwise that's going to bleed into next season. Yeah. Well, for this next question, I need to add a caveat that I'm definitely not a health professional, a doctor, a scientist, any of those things. And not to sell you short either, Ben, but I don't think you're any of those things. I am 
I, I, yeah, I'm not a doctor. I cannot prescribe anything <laughs> okay. um, and I cannot diagnose anything. Right. That being said, I do want to ask you what you're hearing in terms of the risk to athletes who might be in, infected with COVID-19. Uh, it seems like athletes and folks who are physically fit tend to fare pretty well with the disease, with the virus. But we've also heard there might be these like long-term effects like heart damage or lung damage, especially if folks continue training while they're sick. What's sort of your understanding or what have you been hearing about this? And, and what would you advise your athletes if they asked you if they should, should train? So, yeah. So first off, I, I have kind of had this conversation with each individual athlete and, and we've gone on a basis of, uh, do with, do what you're comfortable doing and don't put others in danger. Yeah. And it's good to ask this. You're saying too, that you're asking this before they have it, right? Like this is a good conversation to have before you're like, well, I'm sick now. Now what do I do? Yep. Yeah. What do I do? Um, yeah. And, and, and it, it, most of the science points to that, uh, you know, younger, fitter people in general do better with this. Um, the, the caveat being, you know, some people have suffered some longer term respiratory damage. Um, you know, I think we saw our first collegiate athlete pass away from COVID a few months ago. I think he was a football player. You know, he didn't have any pre-existing stuff going on. Um, so that's, you know, it's certainly, certainly troubling. And I, as a coach, am very much erring on the side of my, my personal opinion in terms of, you know, training and competition is group rides are kind of out for me. Competing in events that are mass start events are, are not safe. And uh, that's, that's my personal opinion. And, and it seems to be, you know, I, I do voice it to my writers and they all seem to be pretty much on the same page. Um, you know, we will ride in groups of two or four outside riding. Fine. Um, we always ride, you know, we bring masks with us cause there are certain parts of our, our local community where it's required to, you know, if you ride through the Duke campus right now, you have to have a mask on. Okay. But, you know, I've, I've, I've just stressed, have compassion for others. You know, if you see somebody out on the trail who may not be doing something that you're comfortable with, just stay away from them. <laughs> right, right. Don't try to convince them or yeah, have an argument about it. Yeah, exactly. There's, there, there's a lot of, you know, everyone's on edge right now and everyone's, you know, a lot of people have their opinion. I want the people I represent opinions to be based in science and fact. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the most important thing. However, you know, I, I'm not somebody who has completely isolated themselves from the general population. And we do have people we work with that are like that. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm, you know, I think it's so important right now to have compassion yeah, because you don't know what other people are going through. You may, you know, an athlete may be doing that and you don't know they have some sort of autoimmune disease, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, they're just not comfortable with it. And I think we all need to be okay with people being more cautious. Mm -hmm. There should be no penalty for taking less risk. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, that's always the thing that irks me about, about this whole thing is, 
you know, why, why would I be angry at a rider who is, is choosing not to do something because they're afraid of, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to get COVID. Uh, sounds horrible. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of riders now that I know that have gotten it and it was pretty horrible for them. Um, and I've talked to a couple of riders who have gotten it, who didn't even know they had it. Yeah. Yeah. I know I had the flu, I don't know, two or three years ago and it was awful. You know, it was one of those things for, yeah, like a week and I was on the couch and miserable and it's just like, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. If there's a way I can avoid that, then I'm going to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'll admit too, I, I have a weird thing where I like, if I ever feel like I'm coming down with a cold or something, like I'm about to get sick, like a normal run in the mill cold, I'll go out and go for a run or like a hard bike ride. And for some reason, like a lot of times that makes me feel better. I don't know if the fresh air or what, but yeah, with, with this, you know, just based on some things I've read, I'm kind of cautious about doing that. They're like, Oh, maybe in this case, you're, you're actually could be doing damage uh, to, to your body in some way. So it is hard with all the uncertainty to know exactly what to do. One of the risks of being an endurance athlete and, and potentially being in that overtraining area is that you, you actually do weaken your immune system. Hmm. Um, you, you are really putting stress on your body. And so, you know, there could be some risk if you are, are really putting in, you know, if, if you're a person that's riding 300, 400 miles a week for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it could be dangerous. My, my opinion on this is, is just having general overall health right now is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets back to what you were saying about recovery as well, rest and recovery. And yeah, this is a time to, to do that whenever you can and, and be safe with it. So are you seeing more of your athletes attending virtual classes and workouts using apps like Peloton uh, in place of their group exercise? <laughs> well, so I have a group that are doing, they're actually one, one athlete who is, has made probably more money racing on Zwift <laughs> than he ever has as a, you know, actual racer. Huh. How is he making money? I, I'm not familiar with this. There are like prizes or like people betting or like. Yeah, there's some Zwift, the actual Zwift re- leagues um, with cash prizes. He's he's been he's a, a, a UK dude, and yeah, he's he, you know not not to say he's making thousands uh, of dollars. He's making tens of dollars. But he's, you know, he's he's really doing well with it, and and you know, it'd be one of those things where we've discussed. Yeah, are you going to be a virtual racer from now on? Yeah, <laughs> we we were doing um, alignment yoga at our on uh, Instagram Live at, at the beginning of the pandemic for about three months, and and man, we got so sick of it, <laughs> and and you could see the num numbers start to dwindle, you know, and and it got down to you know the people who were just using that as their only thing, mm-hmm. but I definitely. I definitely think uh, at the beginning people were doing like all of the classes. Right. They were they were racing to you know trying to race together on Zwift and they were doing these challenges and you know doing the free yoga classes and Peloton and all that stuff and now it's like man I just want to go outside. <laughs> um, uh, so you know and who knows what's going to happen when when the uh, you know we're a week away from daylight savings. 
And, uh, you know, that may, may change for some people that don't have the time, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely, you know, kind of seen a peak and then a valley of, of, uh, virtual training. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're hearing that a lot of the like bike sales, bike sales are going crazy and bike shops are super busy. And we're hearing that part of that is because people used to do like these indoor things like a, you know, spin class. And so now that's not happening. So they're getting outside and, and working out. But yeah, like you said, who knows what's going to happen once daylight savings hits and, you know, it's dark. I mean, maybe bike light sales will go up. I don't know. But do you think people in your field, are people getting more comfortable with working with you as a remote or sort of virtual coach? Is is this like tech adoption accelerating sort of your field and, and people wanting to work with a coach like yourself? Absolutely. I mean, coaching, coaching's been great lately. Um, you know, we've, we've got, uh, we've six endurance collective coaches and they've all been, you know, we, business has, has been good for coaches and it's, it's a lot of new athletes, um, you know, especially on the running side people who are just getting into structured training yeah, and they are comfortable with the virtual stuff. Um, you know, we do a lot of, you know, I, I talk with almost all of my athletes once a week, good old fashioned on the phone style. Mm-hmm. You know, we've certainly done a lot of creating Google drive folders for people and making sure all of their workouts are uh, in a place where they can access them. Mm-hmm. And we've also started working with a couple of other local businesses that, uh, you know, we, we have a local physical therapist that we do some work with and mm-hmm. linking our businesses so that, you know, I can have a, a seamless transition between, you know, what I'm doing on the bike and what they need to be doing for rehab mm-hmm. that ends up in one place. And, and, you know, because they're having to communicate with this person in Chapel Hill and then me and Durham and instead of having that, that, that space between us, you know, we're all kind of conversing in one space. And and that's really helpful. I think that's been the biggest challenge with the, the virtual spaces, making sure nothing's getting lost in, in translation. And mm-hmm. we're all kind of communicating uh, at the same pace and in the same space. So everybody is aware of what's going on with an athlete. Yeah. It sounds like if you're able to put that all together, it can be super convenient and not only that, you, you know, you can get even more insights into your athletes if you're hearing what their physical therapist is telling them and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it sounds like like that's accelerating. A lot of it is, you know, people just want to talk to people right now. Um, you know, the, the, the lost art of conversation. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I would have, I've been having conversations longer and longer with athletes, you know, people who were uh, pre-pandemic, we're just like, yep, felt good, good week, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And now it's like, you know, and we did this and, you know, then we're going to go up to, you know, and, and I'm learning all, you know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of nice. I'm, I'm, I'm getting some additional layers to some of my athletes that I didn't get before. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ben, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us about training and how training is really how it's evolving uh, during this time and and giving us a glimpse of sort of where it's going to go even after this is all over. So thanks. Oh, you bet, Jeff. It's, it's been really fun. And uh, I hope, hope to get a chance to chat with you again. Absolutely. 
And you can connect with Ben or get more information at theenduranceCollective.com. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.